I just want to let you know, as always, you can follow the posture of your heart. Um, you could stay seated for now. If at any moment you feel led to stand um, as we praise, just follow the posture of where the Spirit leads your heart as we worship this morning. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Jesus for our faith. 
Psalm 47 says, clap your hands, all ye nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amidst shouts of joy. The Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. <laughs> is this a command or what? For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Whew. Have we been charged? with who we are as people, to give of our worship to our holy God. Before we dive back into singing, would you hold your hands out? It's our posture of recognition that God is in this place. Aren't you thankful, church? Let's say a prayer before we begin singing our prayer. God, may you be exalted in this place. As we sing and lift our voice to you, Lord, would it be pleasing to you? God, would we, would we set our eyes on you? Would our, the, the, the eyes of our soul be fixed on you? Would we just, uh, with, with just complete inhibition, just lay ourselves before you, God? You are so worthy of all of our praise. And would you receive it now as we sing?
We're gathered together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace. Hear the joyful sound of our offering as your saints bow down, as your people sing. We will rise with you, lifted on your wings, and the world will see that our God saves. Our God saves. the people of God, isn't it? You know, I've been listening to a, a newer song. It's called Hymn of Heaven by Phil Wickham, and maybe we'll sing it someday here. I don't know, but right now I, I kind of can't get through this one part of the song um, without just, just weeping over this picture of standing in heaven with all the generations that have gone before us. 
praising Him together. Does that blow your mind like it's blowing mine? Like standing beside Abraham, I don't know, will we get to do that maybe? And Moses, I mean, as if seeing Jesus isn't enough, right? But just to see part of our faith becoming sight, seeing those that we've lost maybe even here and now, or those that we read about in the Holy Word of God who have gone before us and, and seeing them, and we're all standing there together proclaiming our God saves, holy is his name. So we sing this last song. Maybe that can be a picture in your mind as you, as you close your eyes in worship or as you open them and even maybe in those in the front row, spin around and see, see the rest of your church family praising the Lord together. Let's sing together. All creatures of God and King, lift up your voice with a sing. Oh, praise Him. took for each of us. In Psalm 22, we see the prophetic words of David talk about this moment. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I am not silent. We get to verse 3. He says, and yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. 
You are the praise of Israel. You may know that verse in the King James Version as God inhabits the praises of his people. There's good news for us, church. Tomb's still empty. Easter's not an afterthought. It should be something we think about every day because we live in the midst of that good news. God still inhabits the praises of his people. As we go to prayer today, this theme that you've been hearing, it's recognizing what he's done and continues to do in the lives of each of us. Reminded of that last promise in Exodus chapter 6, you will be my people and I will be your God. But today as his people, he inhabits our praises. But today when we go to prayer, not to minimize or, or discount the struggles you might be having or the challenges you're facing, but we're going to begin by acknowledging that he is the Holy One, still enthroned in heaven. And he's going to inhabit our praises. So let us go to him in prayer this morning with what that is our first thought. And all of a sudden, those big things in our lives, those giants that we face, they become so much smaller when we put them beside the magnitude and magnificence of our Heavenly Father. Let's go to him with prayer this morning, with praise, the first words on our lips today. Let's pray together. Father, boy, we sure can't all speak of the challenges in life. The words that even Jesus himself would come to utter from the cross. Why have you forsaken me? And it might seem as if at times you're far away. But the reality is in those moments, you're closer than ever. You draw us close. You, you pull close to us, waiting for us to acknowledge you. This morning, Lord, we want to begin our, our, our continue our time of worship with that idea, Lord. We turn to you and we look up with open eyes. We're reminded of what it is you've done and how much you've given. And we praise you. We praise you. Thank you at times seems inadequate. It doesn't seem to be sufficient. But Lord, reminded of those moments right now in our lives where you have been faithful. out of the overflow of our hearts this morning, help us to say thank you. May we worship you. May we quit making excuses. May we quit casting you aside. May we quit putting other things in front of you. Lord, in this moment, hallowed your name as Jesus taught us to pray. May we could give in a seat in our, of our hearts or a seat at our table, Lord, those distractions and those temptations, those addictions, Father, that tend to uh, to just take away from us and to help us to, to wander and to drift and to no longer, Lord, follow after the whims of, of this world. To boldly, Lord, stand up in the midst of our struggles. But not today, Satan. May we begin our time with praise. God, we praise you. We open up your word this morning, Lord. Show us something new change us. God, we're in your presence today. Every time we open up scripture, Lord, when we see people with it, when they've encountered God, they leave that moment changed. Either, Lord, they've chosen to respond and to draw close, or they've chosen to push you farther away. As a God who loves us, you let us choose. So, Lord, I pray today we would choose to draw near choose to praise. You know our lives, you know all that we're dealing with, you know all that we're facing, you know all that, that's uh, 
in front of us and, and all the things that we have to contend with. And those things matter to you. They are not insignificant. But God, today, may we change our focus, change our perspective. And in so doing, Father, I pray, I pray we wouldn't see the giants. Instead, we'd see our God, the Holy One, still enthroned in heaven. You have, may you have it our praises today, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May you be seated. Well, we have uh, just a very kind of exciting announcement um, or something to share with you. And, and they were with us last week, but with, with the crowd that we had with us, we didn't catch them in time. But Joe and Megan are here today with, with their, their little girl. We want to introduce her. And I don't know if they'd be willing to stand, and Grandma's enjoying her right now, or great-grandma's enjoying her right now. We're not going to clock, because we don't want to wake her, okay? But we're going to celebrate this precious blessing. Jael is with us today, and we're so glad Joe and Megan are here as well. You can just turn and just really silently give them just, just this, this great feeling of warmth, and we're so glad they're here. And I'm so excited to have her a part of our faith family, but we want to just take a moment just to celebrate with them all that God is doing in their life. And so glad they've chosen to join us. We love young worshipers. So when she cries out someday, it's okay. You let her cry. We are glad she's here. And we're glad that you're here too. And we're just so excited for you both. So thank you for being here this morning, guys. So after church, if you want to go and wave and, and ooh and ah from a distance, I'm sure they, they would welcome that. And you can give her back to great-grandma now if you want to, but that's up to you. So, okay. <laughs> but no, we are excited. Well, boy, God has been blessing our nurseries, and if you've ever felt led to work in a nursery, now is the time to do it, because we have a lot of babies that need help now and in the coming days, and uh, we have some, some dedications coming up in a few weeks, just some opportunities for us to celebrate and to be reminded of the responsibility we have as a church. To, to pour into uh, not, not just the next generation of our church, but a part of our church now and today. And we look forward to celebrating even more that are on the way. What, what a great season. I love natural church growth. Uh, so we've had, I think, eight or nine this year, and we, we've got, we don't have as many lined up for next year, so some of you need to start getting busy. But, uh, you know, we'll just, <laughs> I'm done, so you guys are on your own. Just got to figure that part out. Uh, make sure you do it in the right way, in the right context, and um, in, in a way that honors God. We'll be all good. So uh, I don't know how I ended up there, but Lord help us. <laughs> oh, Lord, we've got to redeem us from that. All right. Well, <laughs> you know, we are, we are a funny people. And, uh, you know, it, it's always comical to me that we go from trick-or-treating in October, and on November 1st, you'll see the Christmas decorations out. Sometimes they're out even sooner now. And put the Christmas decorations away, and you see the Valentine stuff flooding the store shelves. And after Valentine's over, you see the Easter baskets and all of the Easter decorations, the candy and the colored eggs. And I learned that the best time to go Easter candy shopping is the day after Easter. It's always half off, and we get some really good stuff. If you like peeps, that's the time to buy them, although I don't know why you like peeps, but a lot of people do. But after all that chocolate, now you go to the stores and you see swimsuits. I know it doesn't make any sense to me either, but that seems to be the cycle that we find ourselves in. And we've had some beautiful weather lately, and maybe you've been tempted to kind of think about those things, but God in his, in his humor is going to remind us tomorrow that not so fast, my friend, it's going to get cold once again. But we end up with this idea of we, we past Easter, after Easter, now what? 
The life of the church, we've spent all of this time from Christmas to Easter, uh, that, that usually three to four month window when we've been building up, we've celebrated the birth of Christ, and we get through the season of Lent, and we get prepared to celebrate um, Jesus' triumphal entry, and his, his, his walk to the cross, his crucifixion, his burial, then his resurrection, and we celebrate that. But the week later, now what? It's often a downtime in the life of the church. Sometimes a difficult moment. You come off this incredible high, this beautiful time together, and, and we had so many faces, new faces with us last week. It's so incredibly joyful for me to meet so many, much of your family and your friends. And I look forward to what, that's, what those are going to lead to in the future. Know that I'm praying for your family, your grandkids, your children that were here. I know it meant so much to so many of you, but we're not going to stop there. We want them to keep coming back or to get involved in a local church and to, to find a relationship with God, as many of you strongly desire for your family. And we're going to keep praying for that to come to pass. But what we're left with this, now what? And I'm so thankful that God in his faithfulness sees the now what and the promises that he gives to us in Exodus chapter 6. I'm going to wrap this series up today. Some of you are like, well, thank goodness, I'm so tired of Exodus chapter 6. But I hope that you have been changed for the time that we've spent there. For the time that we have, have studied all of God's intentional faithfulness in our lives. This was on purpose. From the very beginning of the formation of his people. And the time that he went to, the time that Jacob and his family went to Egypt through, through Joseph. This was an intentional time for God to build up his people. One thing I didn't share is when, when Joseph's family came, when Jacob's family came to Egypt, that they were put in a part that was apart from the Egyptians. They were given this area of land where they could grow apart from the Egyptians because they were shepherds. The Egyptians didn't really like shepherds. They let the shepherds kind of go and, and, and kind of be on, in their own little area so they weren't tainted by the Egyptian lifestyle, by the Egyptian gods. And they were able to grow into this nation as God intended on their own in this midst of a season of favor. God was building up a people, and he's still building up a people through his church today. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, we see the promises of God, where he tells his people, many of them who had no idea who he was, or who had heard of him but really had no relationship with him, says, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke, under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I'll redeem with an outstretched arm with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. This is the place where they're at now, that they've exited Egypt. They're now getting to recognize and understand what it means to be God's own people, for him to be their personal God. And God continues, then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I am the Lord, your God. And today God wants you to know he wants to be the Lord, your God, he wants to be your heavenly father. We come to experience that through the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, given freely for each of us. We see the promises of God in, in the cups of, uh, of the Passover meal. And just one last time, there's this cup of salvation, cup of sanctification, where God takes us out. Cup of deliverance, where God takes out of us those things in this world that tend to drag us down and keep us going back to the things that we shouldn't be longing for, to get in the way of our relationship with him. Cup of redemption, where we are restored, we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ for the purpose of which God originally created us. We weren't, we're not just saved people, we're saved intentional people with a purpose. I hope that excites you and doesn't frighten you. God sees something in you, special and unique and beautiful, that only you can do. And I hope that's something that you want to discover and to fulfill in your life. 
And last week we discussed the fourth cup, and we'll get more into the fourth cup today, this cup of praise, this cup of hallelujah. And we'll talk about that in just a few moments. But I have to ask this question is, for, for many of us, we come to church every week in the midst of, of people of promise, in the midst of the empty tomb, and we're supposed to come, hear me, as people of praise. Yet sometimes we struggle to praise. Sometimes we struggle to worship. And I'm not talking about singing out loud. I'm not talking about raising your hands. Well, that's certainly a part of it. But we come and we let the most insignificant things get in the way of our praise. We do. We, we, we let the things that really don't matter inhibit our worship. And I believe part of that's because we come, one, not fully knowing, understanding who God is and what he's done. That's the first part. That's what the first three cups take care of. There's some other parts of our lives that, that get in the way. For many of us, we, we have this unlived life that we're in the midst of even right now. John chapter 10, verse 10 God tells us that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, Jesus understands that we're always going to be faced with struggles, that the thief, Satan, is coming to steal and to kill and destroy the life that which he has saved us to live. The thief has a purpose. That's what the thief does. But so does God. He has a purpose. And God has already won. And we get to live life from this position of victory. And, and there's this, this curious word we see in this verse, have it to the full. It, it, there's this Greek word. If you don't know, I like Greek words. I like discovering what they mean and how it impacts uh, our, our takeaway from Scripture. It's this word, parisas. The word parisas, it means in, in a sense of beyond. So what, what, what Jesus is saying is you may, that they may have life and have it to the full. It means to have life more, above, and beyond anything that this world has to offer. So an unlived life looks like a life that's not beyond what everybody else lives. It's this normal life that anyone can kind of have or attain here on earth. We have an invitation to live life to the full, live life to the parisas, beyond anything that, that anyone else in this world could give us except for our Heavenly Father. What does an unlived life look like? For some of you, this might resonate. This may speak to where you're at. This might speak to some of your struggles. An unlived life is often crippled by your past. You ever look in the rearview mirror of your car? A little, little slogan underneath says, Objects and mirror are closer than they appear. For many of us, our past is closer than we care to admit. Our past has crippled us. Psalm 38, verses 4 and 6 my, not that verse 5 isn't important, but stay with me, verses 4 and 6. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and brought low. Sometimes our past cripples us by actions that we've done. We've not yet been forgiven or we've not yet sought reconciliation. Other times our past cripples us by what others have done to us. We've not yet sought healing. Or we've gotten to the place where we could even extend forgiveness. We're dragging behind us this past. It's crippling. Preventing us from experiencing the parisos, the life beyond, the more that God has for us. Another reason that we live an unlived life is we let culture define us. When it's so true in our world today, we see it all the time. If, if, if probably more so today than ever before. And it's going to continue to be the theme. The next generation is going to say the same thing. That tends to be what happens. We live in a world that's dying. 
live in a world that is under the curse of sin, that's not going to change church until God comes back. Things are going to continue to get worse, not to be a discouragement to you, but that, that's just reality. Scripture tells us that. But even in the midst of worse, we have hope because the light shines brightest in the darkness. And we have opportunity as a church. So we let culture, when we let culture define us, it often leads to living an unlived life. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul writes, Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. And Paul speaks very plainly to this battle that we face every day. Am I after the approval of men or after the approval of God? Do I want to fit in with my friends at school or at work or, or at the gym? Or do I want to fit in with God? And we have this battle that goes on between us. And oftentimes, if, if we're really honest, in many ways, culture is winning. It might appear so, but the tomb's still empty. We know how the story ends. Are we living an unlived life because culture has its way with us? Do we live an unlived life because we're crippled by our past? Another reason we might live an unlived life is we try to do it all alone. I'll get it figured out in my time. Once, once I've got things straightened out, then I'll get recommitted to God. Once I fix all of my baggage and my problems, then I'll come to church. And, and, and if that's our mentality, if that's our attitude, then we, we're really confused and messed up because we will never get to that place. Only God can do the fixing. That's the beautiful part of this relationship is we're invited into the midst of one and God does it all for us. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. He had everything this world could offer to him, yet he was alone. And at the end of the day, that's what happens to those of us who refuse to walk with God. And I'm sure there are countless other ways that we could talk about what an unlived life looks like, but those are three obvious ones. One that we can't do it alone. Knowing that we can't let culture define us, knowing that we can't let the past continue to drag us down. Because God offers us something incredible in this fourth cup, this cup of praise. If you're part of our Passover meal a few weeks ago, and even last week we discussed it briefly. It, we used this word Hillel, the, the, the cup of Hillel, the cup of praise. And from the word Hillel, this is a really beautiful part of our, our story today, of our learning. It, it's where we get the word hallelujah. Now, the word Hillel, uh, it speaks to the word, it means to praise, to praise for or to praise to. Yah is Yahweh, it speaks to God. So the word hallelujah is praise for or praise to God. So out of the cup of praise is this understanding that we're praising him and only him. Now I know growing up, maybe not so much today as maybe when we were younger, I really hate saying that. <clears throat> We had posters on our walls of our favorite teams or movie stars or whatnot. I'm going to tell a story on my sister here. She's not here to defend herself. Maybe she's watching. I don't know. But she was a new kids on the block fan. Now, I don't mean the new new kids on the block. I mean like the original new kids on the block who are now kind of maybe the old guys around the block. I don't know if they would change their name. But, but you know what I'm talking about. And you get this teen, teen Tiger Beat magazine. Anybody? Tiger Beat? Yeah, we got a few of you. You know what I'm talking about. Tiger Beat Magazine, you get to all of these, um, this kind of a teenage uh, gossip magazine, or like the soap opera digest you see at the stores. 
And not that she went that far, but she was a big fan. There were posters on the walls. There was even a board game. And I, I praise God, I don't ever remember playing that. I hope I never did. But for one of my sister's birthday one year, she, she wanted to have a, a New Kids on the Block birthday party. And my, my aunt was hosting it at her house, and my aunt came up with this great idea that she was going to have the New Kids on the Block show up. Well, how, that, how might that happen, you would, you would ask. Well, I, I asked that too, and I shouldn't have. My aunt asked me to get some of my friends together. We were going to come and lip sync some of the new Kids on the Block songs. And, oh, that was, uh, I'm so thankful we didn't have cell phones back in that day. Uh, but, but we came and we did, and we celebrated my sister's birthday, and they had a great time. And, um, yeah, we're just going to leave that alone. And um, I, don't, I don't even know which one I was, but that, that doesn't really matter. But we tend to spend our lives, our younger years, praising others. Other things, other athletes, other movie stars, other musicians, other people. And I, I get that. I got baseball card collections. I got my favorite players. I got an Andrew McCutcheon jersey. He plays for the Pirates, by the way. I know you may not know that. And he's back with the Pirates. I'm very excited about that. Hit a home run yesterday. Not that that matters. But you know, I understand that. I get it. But if we're not careful, all of those things tend to get in the way of the one that truly deserves our praise. Sometimes what inhibits our praises, what gets in the way, is that we're too focused on other people and other things. We stop seeing and recognizing God for who he is and for what he's done. We have this promise that we will be his people and he will be our God. And I'm afraid that that doesn't mean much to many of us today. And it should. It should. It should should loosen our tongue, not constrict it. It should open up our hearts and and want us to just praise and let people know what he's done for us, not to want to suck it in because we're afraid of what they might think. So my story's not significant enough, or or my my salvation story is is not creative enough, or it's not, not bad enough, whatever it might be. But yet, we let our interests and preferences get in the way. But things in our life that we don't have distract us from what we do have let our past kind of keep us bound this cup of praise this journey that we're on maybe you're at this point and you're still not able to praise him freely you want to drink of this cup maybe there's still something holding us back aren't you glad God steps into our lives each moment each each part of the journey that we're in and he's doing so even this morning Perhaps you've heard of Maslow's eight basic needs in life. We have physical needs, food, water, air. We have a need for safety. That's why we lock our doors at night. We want to feel secure. We have this need for love, for relationships, to have others involved in our lives. We have this need for esteem, to be complimented, to to be encouraged and edified. Uh, And these four speak to uh, deficiency needs, that there's something in our life lacking, and then we have needs that someone else comes and fulfills. But there's also four uh, other needs that give fulfillment. There's a cognitive need, and I have a daughter who has a cognitive need. She asks this question, why, all the time. She wants to know why. Why do I have to do that? Why, why do we do it this way? Why do you cook like that? Why, why do you drive like this, Dad? There's all kinds of whys. They want to know why. That's a cognitive need. We have aesthetic needs. This need for beauty, for, for scenery, to, to appreciate the, what's going on around us. There's a need of self-actualization. Uh, one that speaks to being uh, having a, a put, our potential fulfilled. We want to win. 
That that's what drives us to win. And for, for years, this has taught us, though it ultimately leads us to the ultimate need. And we thought this was the ultimate need, was this need to win. But then there was this discovery that there was another need beyond that. Beyond the need to win. And it was this need, this transcendent need. This need to live beyond oneself. This legacy need. This need to leave something behind. Living a life beyond who we are simply, who we become simply known as. How do we do this? That transcendent need can only be fulfilled by living life to the full. Maslow's need to this understanding of the psychology of people can only come to this final conclusion through Jesus Christ. Isn't that an amazing discovery? So we can only live to the full, only live beyond oneself when we do it through Jesus, when we experience through him what this life looks like, this parisas, this more. Only then can we have all of our basic needs recognized, satisfied, and fulfilled. I will take you as my own people, God says. I will be your God. God says, let me jump in and bless your life. Let me do it. Want true fulfillment? Drink the fourth cup. Drink the hallel. Drink the hallelujah cup. And whatever's bottled up inside, let it out. Let the world know. How's the world going to know how great he is unless we tell them? How are they going to get to see his faithfulness unless we show them? Why don't they come? Well, sometimes we just don't want to, you know, we don't want to be, we can have all of this stuff. I get it. I was this redheaded, nerdy kid who hated talking in front of people. Terrified me. Didn't want to do it. There's some Sundays I still don't want to do it. But I can't help but do it. Not because of who I am, because of who he is. I'm glad God still steps into the lives of those who are willing to receive him as their God and to be counted among his people. It begins with a calling. It begins with recognizing. It begins with answering the phone, if you will, that spiritual phone. Second Timothy verse one nine is out of the message. It says God saved us and then called us to His holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all His idea. It was a gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. The NFL draft coming up in a few weeks. It gives every team hope. And every player waiting to, for that phone to ring, they want to be called by the, the, the general manager of a team. They want to receive that call and let them know they've been chosen. Well, unless you're part of a team that's not so good, then maybe that's a phone call you don't want to receive. But God's still calling. And too often we either don't answer the call or we ignore it. And we're getting this, this call to be invited to be part of the team, a, ch a chance to make a difference, a chance to be fulfilled. And whether we answer the call or not is up to us. That's where it begins, where it starts. It begins with a call, then it stands on a cause. It may, after that comes this purpose. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, reads, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. My life is worth nothing unless I'm using it for the purpose which I've been created. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Grace. 
You wonder how you tell your story. What does your story look like? Where does it begin? It begins with grace. It begins with his call. It begins with his purpose. It begins with understanding who he is. That was the New Living Translation I read in the NIV. It says this, I consider my life worth nothing. If only, if only I am able to finish the race, to complete the task. If only I can do something that makes a difference. If only I can have this transcendent need in my life fulfilled. Your profession is not what defines you. Even my, it's even true for me, being a pastor does not define me. Be behind the title, be behind the, the, uh, the, the position is, is the story that I have to be able and willing to tell it that's my own. If I'm just up here talking about it and I'm not living it out myself and there's something wrong with me, there's something out of order. I'm not defined by my title or my profession. What I'm defined by is a God who sees something in me, who's given me purpose. The God within that profession to the end must always be in mind. Because at the end is what matters. What matters ultimately is getting people to heaven. Getting people into relationship with God. Letting them know who he is. How deeply he loves. It begins with a call. It stands on a cause and it spreads. I love how it spreads. It spreads in a good way. I'm not talking about how dandelions spread from yard to yard. And by the way, you really grow them big around here. <laughs> You've got a sign out front of Mary's which you drive in where the grass is greener. And it's true. The boy, the sower, the boy, the dandelions are yellower and they're bigger and they're everywhere. They're actually kind of pretty from a distance. <laughs> but they spread. It spreads from me to we, from you to us. And that's the ultimate sign of, of, of God's moving in your life. It's the ultimate sign of praise taking root as it spreads. We read Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8, a little bit earlier about the one who was alone. In verse 9, Solomon gives us the follow-up. It says, two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. It spreads from one to two, and from two to four, and from four to eight. And we see this exponential growth. And we saw it in the early days of the book of Acts. We saw the church exponentially grow. And why don't we see that today? Why, why does it seem so far gone? Why does it seem like it's yesterday? We're distracted. Our praises have gotten quiet. I share with our vision team, we started some vision team meetings. We'll give you some updates on that here in the weeks ahead. And in our vision team, we talked about um, the, the history of our church, the, the good days, the days where God was moving. You might talk to them, talk to them you might refer to them as the glory days. I get that. But can, I, can I give you a word of caution? Don't come to me talking about the glory days as in the past. That's not why we're here. That's not why God brought us here. We're here to talk about the glory days that are in front of us, the glory days of our future. I'm excited about the stories you tell me about the history and the past of our church, see what God has done. And we don't ever want to forget that or leave that behind. And I'm not saying we discard that. But what I am saying, if that's where we're living, then, then Satan's got us right where he wants us, church. Because God's glory days are ahead of us. The best days are still before us. If we don't believe that, then why are we coming? If we don't believe it, then why do you have me here? Because I believe God has something incredible for us, and we have to be a church that spreads, that grows from, from you and I to us and them beyond. See, the difference, God, the purpose God gives to us is so that we could ultimately make a difference. We work together. 
We don't just invite people to come and be consumers of religious goods. We, we invite people to come so that they can participate in the divine, so that they can come to know who God is, so that they can be true to as well become his people. We see it a lot. People hopping around church to church shopping, looking for something different. And if you're looking for something, you're welcome. We, we want you here. But understand when you come here, when you become a part of what God's doing here, it's because we're looking for the glory that's coming. Not the glory that we've shared in the past. And in so doing, we're going to participate in discovering what our why is and who God wants us to be and, and how we are a unique church in this community in this unique day to do something that no one else can. As we discover our why, without the why, we never find our way. This process that we've began, begun is a very important one. Because in so doing, we're going to discover God's purposes for us individually, but also as, as a corporate body, as a church. Without that why, we eventually lose our way. We get bogged down by the past, defined by the culture. We end up alone. We end up living an unlived life. It all works together. Isn't God wonderful in his creativity? It all comes back around. It all starts to make sense. When we look at it from a distance, when we dig in a little bit deeper, when we start to understand what it is he's trying to do. But here's my fear, my warning, my, my, my concern for all who are seeking. We should be growing and progressing through the four cups. And as we can move from cup one to two to three to four, as we can move this direction, the truth is also there that we can move in the opposite direction. You can go from, you can go backwards. You can regress in your relationship. See, when we stop praising, fulfilling our purpose becomes less of a priority. When we're not fulfilling our purpose, we're not trying to understand who it is that God has created us to be or saved us to be, when we don't find any joy in it, then we tend to be less concerned about God's nature. We tend to run back to Egypt. We replace his purposes with our purposes. We allow the slavery of the Egypt back in us. When we stop pursuing the nature of God, then we stop participating in the divine the things of God, and we choose to allow sin from which God and Christ has saved us back into our lives. See, as we can move through this progression spiritually, we also can go backwards. Ultimately, where you get to the point where we can, and perhaps they've even seen others, walk away from their salvation. Important, church. We always need to be growing, moving in the right direction. The ultimate tell that we're in a place where God wants us to be when we partake of the cup of praise, when we sing a hallelujah, we're not inhibited by those around us, but we're able to worship him freely. We give our praise to and praise for God, for all that he's done, for who he is, regardless of what else might be going on around us. That's what comes after Easter. Easter makes all of that possible. So what comes next? Praise. We praise him. And I'm going to invite Amy and the praise team to come back up, and that's how we're going to close today. We're going to praise him. I want to give you an opportunity, we're going to give you an opportunity to participate. Not just in the singing. You can sing that. If you don't like to sing, I understand that. But I did this several months ago. We did this thing we did called popcorn praises, where I just, you just shout out a one-word or a two- or three-word praise. And in between songs... 
Uh, we're going to give you a chance. I'm going to come back up, but we're going to hear some popcorn praises. And what I want your praise to be is this recognition of the fulfilled promise of God in your life. It's an opportunity. So let me put this out there. If you can't praise God amongst this people, you're not going to praise him out there. You're not going to do it. If you can't do it amongst people that you love and that love you, you're not going to do it in a world that's looking to judge or criticize or tear us down. So take a step today. If we run over in a second, in a second that's fine. We're here today to praise him. And whatever's holding you back, be it your past or, or, or being a, trying to do it all alone or, or be it a culture, today would you choose? Choose to be people of praise, to drink that fourth cup. And I, I promise, here's my promise to you, God will do something incredibly powerful in you when you make that simple choice. Matthew chapter 26. I invite you to stand with me as I read this for you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. He took the cup, gave thanks, and offered them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine and from now until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's not miss the with you in there. It's part of it. That's you and me. Jesus himself will drink the cup of praise with you and with me. That's what heaven will be like, sharing in the cup of praise. Revelation 19, verse 9. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's all been about the Lamb. We are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. God's greatest promises are discovered when He accepts His invitation to the party. You've been invited. There's a seat at the table for each one of us. The Lamb is waiting to receive us. Each one of us have a story, have a testimony. We have praise to share. And I pray that we won't let anything get in the way of that this morning. Father, what's next? What comes after Easter? Well, we choose to partake of the cup of praise. So Lord, this morning is in this place. As we've been worshiping you, as we've been praising you, as we've been looking into your words, been discovering something new, I pray, God, today that we as your people, you would loosen our tongues. And Lord, we would not hold back the praises you have for us. As we worship you, we would hear the words. We might not like the tempo or the speed or the whatever. That, that's, that's personal preference. We push that aside. We want to hear from you. Speak, Lord. Remind us. Call us. Continue to love us. We may not let our culture define us. We may not let our past hold us down. May we quit trying to do it alone. May we choose today, God, to worship you. Church, let's praise him together this morning.
translate online, live stream, you may not catch all of this, but if you're watching online, type in the, in the box your own praise this morning. You can participate that way. Let me hear, I want to hear some popcorn praises today. Too many of us have been quiet for too long. Let's, let's talk about a fulfilled promise of God in your life this morning. Who's got a praise this morning for him? 
Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Who else? Popcorn praise. Yes, Jessica. Amen. There we go. Pray amen. God's moving. That's right. Popcorn praise. Come on, keep it coming. Come on, there's more. We can hold him back. Sir Billy. Yes. Man. Amen. That's right. Come on, there's more. You're coming. Don't let it let it out. You're, you're gonna regret it. Please. Amen. Is he leaping within you? There we go. That's right. That's 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 scriptural there. <laughs> Amen. Come on, we got some more. Don't be shy. Yes, Karen. Yeah. Got to sit back and love that, don't you? Yes. yes. Kevin? Yeah. yeah. He hears us, doesn't he? He knows. Nothing you pray is a surprise to him. It's Sue. just the beginning. We have a lot more stories to tell. That's right. We're just getting started. Anyone else? Come on now. Give me a couple more. Holly, please. Yep. <laughs> you just continue the story, don't you? That's right. Amen. Thank you for that. Yes, Karen. There we go. <laughs> He's going to fulfill it, isn't he? He's going to keep it. Right. Yes. D. Keep pursuing it. Come on, I, I, you guys are a little over back here. I need some more. You're getting me excited here. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. That's right. There we go. Thank you, Art. Nancy, please. Mm -hmm. That's right. You have a story to tell, my friend. That's right. Don't keep it quiet. Mine. Two more, two more, three more. Thank you, Linda. Amen. Yeah, we're not alone, are we? Right, we're not alone. I got, I got two more. Jeannie, please. You're more than that. We need to. <laughs> yep, sure hope so, right? If, if not, then we've got something a little mixed up. So it's a good test. Come on now. Ambrose. Mm, accountability, support. <laughs> something really spiritual showing up at 6 a.m. every week but, um, I don't know that yet <laughs> Dave please yes amen right 
Neil. Anybody else? Please. Yeah, thank you. He is. Christy. some all anybody else I don't want you to leave empty I want you to let it out here's this broken yeah you're just getting started man what a great testimony amen good beautiful and Russ yeah yeah takes that Egypt out of us There we go. Oh, that's that's awesome. That's right. The, the unspoken prayers that he, we haven't even thought of yet. Absolutely great. Thank you. Anyone else today? Beautiful. Mine went better than I'd hoped. That was awesome tonight. If you have something, now's the time, really quickly. If we're going to continue to worship him one more time, we're going to we're going to transition. We we started in Psalm 22 where we talked about God and the Holy One being on His throne. Now he inhabits the praises of his people. We're going to turn our praises back to the King of Kings this morning as we finish up our time together. In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light. Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word. From a throne of endless glory, to a cradle in the dirt. Sing praise the Father, praise the Stone was moved for good 
For the Lamb had conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs Then the angels stood in awe For the souls of all who come To the Father are restored And the church of Christ was born Then the Spirit lit the flame Now this gospel truth of old Shall not faint by his blood. Church, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go in peace.